Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an update on Manitoba's potato crop. Also, we'll have details on today's Stats Canada crop production reports. And up first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl, who will comment on last week's funding announcements in regards to African swine fever prevention. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Pork is commending the federal government on last week's announcement of a new $45.3 million investment to help prevent and prepare for a potential outbreak of African swine fever. ASF has not yet been found in Manitoba or in Canada. However, its presence would have devastating impacts on the sector the thousands of jobs it provides in Manitoba and to both the provincial and Canadian economy. Cam Dahl is General Manager of Manitoba Pork. This is uh, really a positive announcement. Uh, if uh, if we had a foreign animal disease like African swine fever or uh, foot and mouth disease, uh, it would be it would be devastating. Uh, we would uh, uh, you know immediately lose our export markets, and uh, Manitoba exports ninety percent of the pork we produce, whether it's on foot or in a package, and uh, and so the. The implications for uh, for getting a, a foreign animal disease like ASF would be would be in the many billions of dollars. So, uh, what's the old phrase? Uh, uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and uh, that's the case here. Is is putting the the effort and the funds and the resources towards uh, preventing uh, a disease from from coming in is very much worth the effort. So uh, this is uh, welcomed and. A really a good example of collaboration between uh, between industry and government. And, you know, we're seeing ASF spreading in other parts of the world. Um, case last year discovered in the uh, Dominican Republic. Just your thoughts on, on what's been happening there and um, the prevention that's been going on here in North America. Yeah, it's it's all, all around us. Uh, you know, it's spreading throughout Europe uh, in the uh, wild boar population. So uh, controlling our wild pigs is, is, a, is a high priority here in, in Manitoba for uh, for, for Manitoba pork, but we we do see it getting closer, and and uh, wherever wherever it's hit, whether it's in Germany, in Poland, or or in China, it has it has been devastating for the uh, the pork industry and and for producers. It's uh, it uh, it's uh, very very high rate of mortality for for pigs, even though it doesn't impact people or the meat. But it uh, it really is a high mortality. It's infectious. It's uh, we need to take every step to take. To, to keep it out of Manitoba. You know, if the disease was to was to um, come here, what sort of impact would that have, you know, not only on, on the pork sector, but, you know, the overall economy? Well, I, you know, the initial the initial reaction would, uh, we'd almost certainly see uh, see all of the, uh, the export markets closed down. And um, you, across Canada, we, we export about 70% of, of the pork we produce. But here in Manitoba, it's 90%. Of, uh, of the pork that leaves the province. So that would be a, a $2 billion uh, hit to the uh, provincial economy that would happen almost almost immediately. Uh, and then there, of course, these are, this is people's livelihoods and their jobs. And, and so there, yes, there would be an enormous immediate economic impact, but there would also be that impact on farm families and, and the, the people that work in the facilities uh, the people that work in places like Brandon and, and Nipawa, uh, this would really be a, a real devastating blow to the the economy and and to the people of Manitoba. Anything else to add here, Cam? I, I think again, just this uh, 
this is just a, how, how government and industry is supposed to work together. So uh, working together to prevent ASF is, is a collaborative effort, and uh, that's something that's very, very positive for agriculture and uh, positive for our province. That was Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl commenting on last week's federal investment into ASF prevention. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Stats Canada says Canadian canola production is expected to rise by almost 42% to 19.5 million tonnes in 2022, as growing conditions across the prairies improved considerably. Yields are expected to increase almost 48% to 40.5 bushels per acre. Neil Townsend is Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink. Canola crop is very interesting. We think the stats can model based numbers in line with what the trade expected and what's in line with what FarmLink is expecting. At around 19.5 million tons, I mean, you know, that is obviously a big increase from last year, but it's, it's not, historically speaking, a burdensome crop because traditionally we would think of about 10 million tons plus being used domestically and another, you know, anywhere from 8 to 10 million tons potentially being exported. And I really want to highlight that export number. I think that's the one variable as we look forward to 22-23 that we really don't have a good grasp on. And I'm talking about an entirety of the entire industry. In Manitoba, yields are expected to rise by 31.5% to 43 bushels per acre, offsetting an anticipated 3.8% decrease in harvested area to 3.3 million acres. Canola production in Manitoba is expected to increase 26.5% to 3.2 million tonnes. The estimate is based on satellite imagery and agroclimatic data. One of the largest groups of plant pathologists in any one centre in Canada is located at AAFC's Research and Development Centre in Morden. Here's Associate Director Scott Duguid. The data that's collected is used in a couple of ways. One is that uh, the data that comes out of here is used to recommend varieties for registration of bean varieties across Western Canada. And, uh, but it's also that data gets then utilised in, by growers to uh, see which, you know, what particular varieties of beans would fit their area of production, uh, their rotation, their area. And uh, so the data that's generated for yield, uh, disease resistance, and uh, the quality of the seed goes into that decision of what the farmer is going to produce and uh, market. The Research and Development Centre in Morden is 107 years old. Early research focused on livestock and has now moved into pulses, oil seeds, and cereals, with research being conducted on genetics and breeding. And researchers at the University of Manitoba are busy conducting nutrition trials. Dylan McKay is an assistant professor of nutrition and chronic disease. Some of the work that we have ongoing right now is in chronic kidney disease, uh, and there's a big trial that's just starting that we're looking at fruit and vegetables as a source of dietary bicarbonate. So essentially modifying the amount of acid in the diet to help see if it helps people with chronic kidney disease because their kidneys, uh, you know, as, as the function reduces, they have a harder time balancing the acid and base in their diet. And so for that trial, we're delivering people uh, fruits and vegetables, like grocery delivery essentially, to see if it can uh, treat their condition. Another study is looking at resistant starch from potatoes in chronic kidney disease. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Monday, August 29th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Neil Townsend with FarmLink will join us to talk about this morning's Stats Canada Crop Production Estimate Reports. 
Statistics Canada released its model-based principal field crop estimates for July 2022 this morning. Canadian farmers are projected to produce more wheat, canola, barley, oats, soybeans, and corn for grain, according to recent yield model estimate using satellite imagery and agroclimatic data. Increased production was largely driven by better growing conditions in Western Canada. Neil Townsend is Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the trade numbers and the you know, the stats can model based numbers were pretty similar. So the average guesses came kind of came in line. I mean, I think the one number that maybe stood out was the Durham numbers about five, five or 600,000 tons more than what the trade was estimating. Um, and that might be what the model says. I, I think like uh, we've heard some pretty highly variable results from Durham. So our Durham number came down just a little bit based on some yield results sort of in Southwest Saskatchewan and a little bit in Alberta, but Again, it's plausible that it could be six and a half million tons. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, then the other one that came in, you know, pretty, you know, quite a bit bigger than maybe what the, uh, the trade was estimating was the corn. Uh, so that came in about 800,000 tons more. They didn't break out Manitoba in the results, so we're not sure exactly where Manitoba would fit into that. But um, what we would say is elsewhere they said that Manitoba yields were kind of closer to average after last year's sort of drought-impacted uh, results. Um, again, that could be the case. And then they had a fairly big number for um, for Quebec, um, which, again, I, I don't think the trade really focuses on Quebec too much. So that, that number might have skewed it a bit higher. And then they didn't see maybe as much damage in Ontario as people in Ontario maybe see due to the uh, dry conditions down there. So that number was a little bigger. Uh, and also the lentil number came in, you know, uh, quite a bit bigger than what maybe the market was expecting at 2.9 million tons. And, uh, you know, we're only at 2.4 here at FarmLink, so that's a 500,000 uh, ton difference. So we're going to have to really look at that and, and see what's going on. What we would say is that, you know, so far, lentil results have also been uh, very highly variable. Um, and we'll have to just check with the subsequent reports to see if our acreage is, is significantly different. That, that maybe accounts for uh, some of the difference. Wanted to just touch a little bit on the canola number here. Production expected to rise by forty-one point seven percent. Yields up forty-seven point point eight percent. Overall, your thoughts on the canola crop and um, those numbers? Yeah, I mean the, the canola crop is very interesting because I mean, I, you know, I think it's a um, like again, we think the stats can model-based numbers in line with what the trade expected and what what's in line with what FarmLink is expecting. At around 19.5 million tons, I mean, you know, that is obviously a big increase from last year, but it's it's not, historically speaking, uh, you know, a burdensome crop because traditionally we would think of about 10 million tons plus being used domestically and another, you know, anywhere from 8 to 10 million tons potentially being exported. And I really want to highlight that export number. I think that's the one variable as we look forward to 22, 23 that we really don't have a good grasp on. And I'm talking about in entirety of the entire industry. I mean, if somebody said to you that, oh, exports will be uh, 7 million tons, or somebody said that exports would be 9.5 million tons, like you, you, those are both within the realm of probability and possibility. Uh, it just so much depends on what happens. And I, I just would highlight, you know, the Chinese market right now and just how opaque it is and, you know, the economic circumstances are definitely more challenging there than they've been in the past. And, you know, we just can't get a good read. Are they going to buy pre-Huawei incident uh, numbers of, uh, of canola cargoes, or are they going to buy sort of like, a, you know, a lower number because of the economic conditions in China? So I'd really watch the number very carefully once we get, you know, into the heart of the 
the marketing year, like what our export pace is with canola, because at 19.6 or 19.5, as Stats Canada says, you know, that doesn't leave us much uh, wiggle room if we are going to do a pre-Huawei incident level of exports to China. And you, you touched on the Durham number, um, total wheat production projected to increase by uh, 55.1%. Uh, just your thoughts on, on the wheat crop. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big wheat crop. I think everybody kind of knew that was coming down the pipeline. And again, I would highlight, you know, offshore markets are going to be critical for the Canadian S&D to, to you know, maintain some semblance of, uh, of higher prices. And again, that's, I think, with the wheat, there's probably markets offshore that can take quite a bit of our wheat, but the logistical performance of the railroads and the ports are going to be absolutely critical in 22-23 in, uh, in to move a big wheat crop. The Durham is a little bit more, um, you know, we're going to have to see, uh, you know, stronger demand, obviously, than last year. And, you know, we're going to be able to witness whether, you know, the demand destruction that we did due to the high prices in 21-22, is all of that demand going to come back with the more abundance in Durham, or are we going to have to struggle to find and build back markets? What kind of market reaction are you expecting uh, today? Do you expect much uh, on the report here? No, not really. I mean, I, I think there's a, you know, the markets are, are have been, you know, maybe not as volatile as they've been earlier in this uh, calendar year, but the markets continue to show lots of sort of, uh, you know, ups or downs. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of outside factors that are having a heavy influence on the markets, including like, you know, the U.S. dollar or, uh, you know, the various economic matters such as like interest rates and inflation rates and those kinds of things. I mean, again, I think the immediate reaction might be, uh, you know, take a little bit of uh, a little bit off canola maybe just because the number isn't is isn't smaller than maybe what the trade was expecting and that will be that but I, I, I don't think the stats can uh, model based results are going to have much influence on the market that was Neil Townsend chief market analyst with Farmlink going over this morning's model based principal field crop estimates for July 2022 released by Statistics Canada. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Canadian Wildlife Federation is offering a webinar on Canada's 10 most invasive plants. That takes place August 30th from noon until 1 p.m. You can register on the Canadian Wildlife Federation website. Reunion Days takes place at the Pembenut Thresherman's Museum September 2nd and 3rd. Fall on the Farm takes place September 5th at the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbach. The Cultivate Sustainability Conference and Trade Show is planned for September 7th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. And looking ahead, the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is hosting the 5th Annual Regenerative Agriculture Conference, November 14th and 15th in Brandon. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. On Friday, I had a chance to catch up with Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture and get an update on the province's potato crop. In many fields, uh, the crop looks very good. The seed set is uh, really great this year. and uh, the sizing is also going great. Uh, there were some late planted fields that uh, is going to be setting the overall production a uh, bit uh, behind. And that is uh, because of the early rains, uh, planting wasn't done in time. Uh, 
we have been fortunate so far. We have no late blight in our crop. Uh, there are no other major issues uh, that uh, are noticeable, except in some areas we have Colorado potato beetles. This year, the European corn borer incidence uh, was low. This uh, corn borer, which goes onto the potato stems, uh, it bores, and that bore uh, hole uh, leads to stem rotting in many, many cases. And so that incidence is low. So uh, I would say overall the crops uh, look very good, and uh, we should have, uh, you can say, good crop this season. But uh, delayed, that is probably what's going to affect the overall yields uh, production. Uh, the uh, early harvest has uh, begun for direct to field, uh, direct from field for the processing. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the growers are, you can say, fairly okay with uh, the production that they are getting. Um, we may still need some potatoes from other provinces because uh, we did not have uh, enough acres under irrigation this year. We've been uh, getting some good rain here uh, recently. Uh, how's the moisture, soil moisture situation? Um, has, has there been irrigation ongoing this year? Yes. Uh, there have been many uh, weeks where the rainfall was uh, uh, not up to the mark. There's a thing called uh, crop water demand. And the rainfall for the week did not uh, meet the uh, crop water demand. So that has to basically be met by supplementary irrigation that uh, most growers uh, did. Uh, there are some fields which are heavy. And uh, they, you know, even though the tops are uh, dry, the uh, below 30 centimeters is uh, fairly uh, wet and moist. And so... Uh, the the top uh, portion had to be basically irrigated. Any concerns, you know, with the late later harvest? You know, any frost concerns as we get into September? The only concern is we don't know what the weather would bring. But there are some people who are talking about a good harvest weather, and we will keep our fingers crossed. And uh, uh, if we are able to delay our uh, or continue to have an extended uh, harvest time, I think we will catch up and not be behind in our overall production. It will be good. Last time we uh, talked, you had mentioned, um, you know, late blight further out west, um, I believe, uh, British Columbia. Any concerns with that coming this way? or um, The uh, newsletters from British Columbia have indicated that uh, they are not seeing any more uh, late blight in their different uh, uh, potato areas or tomato areas. And so it is less of a concern now than it was before. Uh, however, uh, the risk is continuously there. Uh, the conditions are very good for late blight because of frequent rains. In the absence of the inoculum or the spores of late blight, uh, we are okay. Uh, we have been monitoring for the spores present in our uh, different fields across Manitoba. 
so far, uh, we have not trapped any late blight spores. So we have been so far lucky. That was Vikram Bisht giving us an update on Manitoba's potato crop. We spoke on Friday. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Stats Canada says total Canadian wheat production is projected to increase by 55% year over year to 34.6 million tonnes in 2022. The increase is largely attributable to higher anticipated yields, which are expected to rise by 42% to 51.1 bushels per acre. Harvested area is also expected to increase by 9.4% to 24.9 million acres. Neil Townsend is Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink. It's going to be a big wheat crop. I think everybody kind of knew that was coming down the pipeline. And again, I would highlight offshore markets are going to be critical for the Canadian S&D to you know, maintain some semblance of uh, higher prices. And again, that, I think with the wheat, there's probably markets offshore that can take quite a bit of our wheat. But uh, the logistical performance of the railroads and the ports are going to be absolutely critical in 22-23 to move a big wheat crop. The increase in expected total wheat production is largely attributable to spring wheat, which is anticipated to rise by 57.3% to 25.6 million tonnes. Spring wheat yields are expected to increase 39.8% to 52.7 bushels per acre, while harvested area is expected to rise by 12.5% to 17.8 million acres. Durham wheat yields are also anticipated to increase 101% to 40.6 bushels per acre, contributing to higher expected durum wheat production, up 113% to 6.5 million tonnes. Total wheat production in Manitoba is anticipated to rise by 34.2% year-over-year to 5 million tonnes. The estimate is based on satellite imagery and agroclimatic data. Researchers at the University of Manitoba are involved with conducting human clinical trials with food interventions. Dylan McKay is an assistant professor of nutrition and chronic disease looking at one that's looking at uh, resistant starch from potatoes uh, in, uh, in chronic kidney disease and uh, we're hoping to look into move into some trials that are looking at you know dietary low energy and low carbohydrate uh, interventions for type 2 diabetes. Another study is looking at fruits and vegetables as a source of dietary bicarbonate and the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada Research and Development Centre in Morden is 107 years old. Early research focused on livestock and has now moved into pulses, oil seeds and cereals with research being conducted on genetics and breeding. Here's Associate Director Scott Duguid. Probably have the largest number of plant pathologists in any one centre in Canada located here at Morden. And we work on all the diseases that you would find in these crops. And then we have geneticists that uh, look for resistance and uh, the breeders to develop the bean crops and the soybean crops for Western Canada. Duguid says they have a full section of land at the Morden Station to grow crops and run trials. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have another edition of The Bean Report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.